You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knesic. Welcome to episode 70. And uh, today we get to put one of my uh, my long-standing issues to bed. So. <laughs> There's a lot of those. Which yeah, one? Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. one is it? Well, I've uh, I've developed a um, a habit for mispronouncing last names as easy as they may be. And I know I've mispronounced this guy's last name a ton of times, I think. I probably said it right maybe once or twice. But uh, I bring him up we, a lot because he's doing really awesome stuff. So we, We've probably said it. Actually, I shy away from saying it because I know I don't know how to pronounce it, that I don't think I've ever actually said it, but I know you've probably said it every way imaginable at this point. So yeah. you have you had to have at least gotten it right once. Yeah, well, I, I look at it, and then a lot of last names. I look at them, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to nail this one, and then it just kind of – I doubt myself right as it's about well, to come out. <laughs> now, I, I will say this because I think we both have this issue. We both have last names that gets mispronounced all the time yes yeah you know because yeah. we always get music for you mm-hmm. which i've heard all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah like for chismar i've gotten chrismar christmas chismas chisman like yeah. it's and almost, those are the only ones you can say that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's true they get a little they get a little yeah. out there but but uh but yeah so today's guest is a is a tiktok superstar yes. and uh, and kyle i'm gonna let you say your last name so i don't flub it again I was waiting on you to introduce yeah. this. <laughs> there was no way we were going to say it beforehand. Yeah, y- y'all, I think y'all did get it wrong on here before. It's, it's Kyle Liebarger, so it's Liebarger. Uh, yeah, I don't think out. I I said that one ever. <laughs> no, I don't think you did either. And what <laughs> what really threw me off is um is the first time when I actually mispronounced your name. It was uh then so one of your friends on Facebook said, oh, no, it's pronounced Liberge. And then I'm like, oh, I really screwed that one up then. I was closer the first time. but What's even better was that Kyle has got to listen to all the mispronunciations. <laughs> I hope yeah. you got a good chuckle at that over over the episodes as we, we yeah. mispronounced it. Yeah, it, it was it was, it was was fun to listen to. I always, I always get uh, weird weird pronunciations for my last name. So it's a, it's a weird one, and not many people have ever even met anybody with uh, who's a lobarger, so yeah. it's I, not a very all. I was going to say, I don't know that I've ever met another Liebarger or another Kinesic, for that mm-hmm. matter. I did meet another Chismar through work. Someone called up whose last name was Chismar, and I was floored to actually talk to someone with the same last name, and he didn't seem phased at yeah. all. He was just like, whatever. <laughs> it's a name. Yeah. So, Kyle, why don't, why don't you tell us who you are? Yeah, well, uh, my name's Kyle Liebarger. I'm a forester. Um, here in North Alabama, now a conservationist, I guess, and, and uh, native plant enthusiast. Uh, I own a, a small native plant nursery, uh, nothing like y'all's, but it's uh, just a little backyard nursery I've had for two years, and and uh, start recently started making TikToks, and and that's been going well, and and uh, I know, I think Tom's been in my Facebook group mm-hmm. on Facebook for a while. I got a Facebook group, Native Habitat Manager, so um, I'm an outdoor enthusiast and and uh it seems to mesh well with my love of native plants so awesome i i'm actually a member as well i was invited by Dwayne estes 
Oh, so no I was I thought that was yeah. that was very cool. So what came first, your love for the outdoors or your love for native plants? Uh, the outdoors. Um, I was big into the outdoors as a kid. Uh, like most conservationists or outdoor folks my age, uh, I like Steve Irwin. So I think that's a lot of <laughs> yeah. the biggest break. A lot of folks in, of my generation. And my dad had me in scouts. He was an Eagle Scout, and I was outdoors all the time. I was hunting and fishing, and and that kind of as I guess as I matured, uh, I, you know, I kind of found out if I want to manage for wildlife native plants is the best way to do it and mm-hmm. so that kind of steered me in the direction of native plants you know i'm kind of glad you you mentioned something that you did and it's something i don't think we've ever really touched on is to me the importance of boy scouts and girl scouts especially for the love of nature for kids that don't necessarily have an outlet for nature it gives you like that's where my kids did a lot of my my oldest son is a is a eagle scout and just for learning how to proper proper way to shoot a gun or a bow and arrow or identifying trees just on a basic level um mm. and canoeing and kayaking and and camping was was huge and and i think that was a, a good portion i think even for me even though i may have never connected that that was a yeah and that's an interesting because when uh when i was thinking about it i always got frustrated with um i, I think i only went through cub scouts never gotten to boy scouts but um i was always frustrated because we do these big like camping trips and i was doing that anyway so i was like what do you mean we're learning how to build a fire who doesn't know how to build a fire it was like stuff i already was doing just because my dad same thing he he was a a, actually a forester and um before he started the nursery so he was into all that kind of stuff and he shared that with my brother and i we'd have i remember we had like fire building competitions in the backyard it was who could boil a, a can of water in the quickest amount of time and we had friends that when they would come over that was like our thing we'd build little fires yeah. and see if you could boil water <laughs> that's pretty yeah, awesome it was like that around my house too so yeah, yeah was, uh, my dad was eagle scout and i'm an eagle scout and third awesome. generation involved in it and uh yeah it was definitely a big part of uh getting me outdoors and i couldn't i wasn't the top that could sit in a classroom very well um, i always wanted to be out doing something so that was a good way for me to be out and out in the woods and probably probably started or probably made me realize that I loved being outdoors and probably led to my career path. So I'm super appreciative of, it, of the scouting. Uh, I guess now there's several groups that do scouting, but I was I was a Boy Scout. So I know, and a lot of the uh, my my fiance's son is in Boy Scouts right now, and I guess a lot of the you know, and the other part as far as conservation goes, I never really thought about the amount of land that that scouts own mm-hmm. um that they pretty much keep natural for for camps and they're in jeopardy of losing that through lack of membership from covid and lawsuits over mm-hmm. the time like they're they're looking at selling some of the major preserves in new jersey uh just to to help fund and mm-hmm. like some of the i know one of their camps they were saying needs over a million dollars in repairs just to keep it going they have to sell some of their land off to maintain some of the mm-hmm. other ones and and those, I think, are natural areas we take for granted uh, that you don't think of when you calculate in where you go because you're not visiting them. You're, mm-hmm. you're not walking through, but you're, our children are are taking advantage of that, and I'd hate to see that be lost yeah. over time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I've actually decided to go to a scout camp here close by to, uh, I guess, give them some advice on managing for natives. So that might be a cool opportunity down the road. So. 
Totally. Now, are, are you originally from Alabama? Yeah, I am. My dad's from Oklahoma, though, so. Okay. I, and I got a mixed accent, so. Because <laughs> I've never actually visited Alabama myself. How are the the natural areas? Is it it's it still a lot of natural areas? Is is some of that in danger at that at this point? Yeah, there there are. Um, unfortunately, a lot of those places are underfunded and uh, under, or they they don't have a lot of. Uh, folks that are helping they need they need a lot more people um hired on to actually take care of those areas but um, there are a lot of places and some of them are managed better than others but a lot of them are overtaken with invasives and and uh need a lot of work but um unfortunately a lot of them don't have uh you know a lot of ecosystems we find on private lands uh there's a lot of diversity in alabama and uh, it changes a lot in terrain and and uh, soil types and different plants grow in different places and you can find some rare plants that are you know on private land and there's not a you know public land anywhere near it to restore uh, you know those plants on so that's there's a lot of them but there there could be more and uh, hopefully hopefully we'll see some of those places managed better in the future. Yeah, it's you know it's the one thing is that we always preach is education and awareness, and I think you've been really at the forefront as far as awareness through uh, TikTok and and Facebook and social media. You've really, I, I think, captured a large audience. Um, what was kind of your inspiration for that? What what led you? Did first of all, did you ever think you would it would have gotten to where it is now? And what was your initial inspiration for doing it? Oh, uh, no, I, I didn't, I never <laughs> imagined. I've been making those videos like that on Facebook and Instagram for years. And, uh, I never, I don't think I ever got more than a thousand views. And, uh, so I just was like, I'll post some, I'll post a couple on TikTok, and, uh, it, yeah, it blew up and I was not expecting it. Um, but, uh, it's, it's nice. It's been nice because, uh, y'all are probably the same way. I like to talk about what I'm passionate about, and uh, my family gets tired of that after a while. So there's only, <laughs> there's only so much, uh, you know, so many times I could talk about native plants before they start going crazy. So it's been a nice outlet to uh, share what I'm passionate about and be able to talk about it. What? When did you first realize that the TikTok was getting blowing up for you? Um, I I posted a video. Uh, of a monarch uh, laying eggs or some eggs that I saw being laid on a milkweed plant and uh, and that was that one blew up and I was like I had was not expecting it I think I posted maybe four or five videos before that one and uh, it was just me walking around uh, pointing out plants and that one blew up and then uh, and then it just went from there uh, some videos do good some some of, some of them don't uh, I like to, you know, educate people on native plants and point out native plants and talk about specific ones. And, and those seem to not do as well as some of the other ones, but um, people like to talk about things we need to be doing different, um, you know, managing ecosystems. Uh, they like to talk about lawns. That's a big one. If you talk about mm -hmm. lawn, if you, if you diss a lawn, on TikTok, it's going to blow up. So, and or Brad Pears. People hate Brad Pears. Yeah. So those are some good tips. So, and it's it's yeah. funny because I actually just saw um, again your your lawn video that you did. 
Uh, I I can't remember the exact title. It was like how to destroy an ecosystem, to, and it was, yeah, yeah. and it just <laughs> popped was... up on a one of like the Facebook groups. I think it was the Pollinator Friendly Arts Facebook group this morning. But it wasn't from you. It was some other Facebook page took it, and then put it yeah, up, and then it got did. been shared all over the place. It had like two point yeah. two million views. I think wow. is what it said. Yeah, so. yeah, and and I posted the same video on my Facebook. <laughs> days before they posted it and i think it has like a a thousand views so (laughs) they took it and blew up the good thing is when it was shared in that group there was numerous comments um saying hey go follow the original and tagged your your facebook page or the the native habitat project facebook page so hopefully you're getting some people going through through that way too i didn't see that that's the bad thing now it's like (laughs) tag me and stuff and i don't even see it because there's so much to look through and, mm. and i can't sit there on my phone all day looking at looking at social media so yeah. but uh yeah that was awesome uh, that one that one just came to me one day i was like you know if i was trying to destroy an ecosystem and you know make the wildlife in that area disappear i would totally change what their habitat is made up of i would get rid of everything there that they depend on all the native plants and i would replace it with something that's non-native and I would mow it down so nothing native came back. And then I would plant, you know, non-native species around there, like in my yard or landscaping. And it kind of, I guess that was that was the idea behind it. I was like, if I was trying to destroy an ecosystem, I would do what most people are already doing uh, around their homes. And uh, so I made that TikTok about it, and apparently it blew up. And I was I wasn't expecting that one to do that, but. But it really, it sends a, a great message, and it's something that um, I wouldn't say you, your your presentation was disparaging at all. It just kind of pointed out, hey, this is the stuff everyone's doing already, and mm-hmm. not even realizing they're destroying an ecosystem. I, it really came across well, and I think that's why it blew up because people it resonated with people. But yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it, you just described the average American home, yeah, ba- yeah. basically, yeah. and it's you could have that perfect. There, there's a presentation that Tom put together that we always laugh at because the first picture is a finely manicured landscape, and we're you, we're trying to say how it, it's it's not yeah. there, it doesn't have a lot of ecological it's a, function, yeah. but the, it's a little bait and switch. It's, yeah, you put it up there, say, oh, and you get everyone saying, oh, look, that looks really awesome. That's what I want my yard to look like, and then you tell them how bad yeah. it is. It's yeah, the, so it, but it. everyone is always like, oh, that's what I aspire to. Like, I wish I had that. We're like, no, yeah. no. <laughs> Someone even put up like hashtag yard goals in one of our <laughs> the chats in one of them. But it's, yeah, it's I like I feel like Americans. You know, we have a lot of pride for you know our country and our states and and uh you know we should take pride in our plants that are native to our areas and and it's something we don't even ever think about so well that's what uh, one of the best stories we had on the podcast is john mcgee um mm-hmm. who has the native plant podcast and he was telling the story about doing design work for a, a military um it was like an a, a ex-general or some kind yeah, of officer. an admiral yeah. or a general and he wanted all these things that were non-native and he's like, I don't know about you, but I like American plants. Like, I, I like plants from Virginia. I don't, I don't want plants from Russia. And and yeah. it's like that, like that's when it it clicked for for his customer. Like, oh, you, wow, yeah, you put it in a way that I I understand it now. Yeah, yeah, and and when you can do that for people, a lot of people start to understand. And and it's been awesome to see all the messages I get from people saying, you know, I never never even thought about it until you mentioned it and it makes sense and uh i think that's what i try to talk about a lot of things that just make sense and i think that's why a lot of the videos do do pretty good so 
is is it hard to keep up with now that it's it's rolling uh, i would imagine like for me i would already be feeling the pressure of what to do next or if the because and i would want to respond to everyone too and i don't know that that's necessarily realistic in in doing yeah that. yeah early, early on i was able to respond to a lot of folks and and now it's it, it's impossible and i hate it because i'd like to answer everybody's questions um but yeah that's why this over labor day weekend i barely posted anything i was like i need a i need a break for three or four days so <laughs> yeah. it does get overwhelming and uh it's a it's a lot but yeah. um yeah it, it's it's it was almost easier to do in the in the beginning just because i could respond to people and engage with them and, and now it's it's just impossible i get a lot of folks asking what what should i plant where i'm at that's probably the number one question mm -hmm. and uh and that's hard to answer because there's no like good resource where i can send everybody to and you know uh, i know the audubon society has a like a native plant link where they can put in their zip code mm -hmm. and it'll get a list of some natives to their area but um there's nothing just really detailed and not every state has a native plant atlas i know alabama has one um and that's a good resource but i'd also try to point people towards iNaturalist. i think that's a good one for mm -hmm. folks to get a map and see where everything is is found and that's been a great resource that was a great resource for me learning about native plants i i used it a, a bunch yeah. of times this weekend alone at, at one of the local parks me too and i even I, I i haven't gotten into the whole um the project side of thing where you can actually what create a project and then when someone tags something that is in your encompasses your project it'll actually show up on you i know uh southeastern grasslands initiative actually uses that a lot but i've used it kind of reverse i'd search the plant just to see where I could find it near me. So I could either go yeah. and see it or, or for us, actually, it's more to approach the landowner or whoever owns that property to see if we could potentially collect seed off of it if it's actually there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's been one of the ways I've used it. But yeah. iNaturalist yeah. is, is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And there, I, so, I, so one thing I tell people is find out what physiographic region you're in, especially, mm -hmm. I don't know if other states are like this, but in Alabama, um, you can drive, you know, 10 miles and you, you'll go through three different, you know, regions that could have totally different native plants. And so in mine, I live in the Bolton Valley, which is between the Cumberland Plateau and the Tennessee Valley. And there's projects on there, uh, like Savannah ecosystems of the Bolton Valley, limestone barrens of the Bolton Valley. And so my house is actually on what was once a uh, Savannah, and I could tell that because I've, you know, I've got post oaks and chink pins and things like that growing here. And so I could look at that project and what everybody's seeing growing in the savannas of the Molten Valley. And mm -hmm. that's about the best list I could possibly put together for what's native to my front yard. So uh, that's, that's a great resource for me. You know, we, we always try to tell people, you know, and it, it has become complicated because it's like just looking around at your natural areas and some of the, some of the feedback we get is I don't really have any natural areas yeah. left near me. Like, or we're not really sure if it's, if it is natural at this point or if it's just invasives or, or things like that. So it's, especially near us where invasives are rampant, they, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to tell, <laughs> you know, but yeah. It is, and it takes like a, you got to kind of, uh, I don't know, over time you get an eye for it and can notice what's native and and what mm -hmm. what looks like it's been there, it's always been there. And, and a few things I look for is, you know, those post oaks, things like that, that have been there for forever. Um, those are great relic species because they live so long. Um, but then, you know, 
I've recognized places off of just things blooming and stopping it on the side of the road and, and trying to figure out what they were and uh, lots of native grasses. If I see a big field of blue stem or something and very little uh, non-natives and usually that means it's probably got a pretty intact seed bank there and not mm-hmm. a lot of invasive. That's the one thing I look for. You know, it's it's amazing. Like I just looked at at my old property, which I was on for 22 years, and and I once I started working at Pinelands, I looked at that property very differently. Like early on, I knew a lot of the trees, which I thought and the plant material that was great. But then I started looking at it and realized classifying everything. Like mm-hmm. all these are plants are facultative wetland or wetland. Like and checking the hydrology, and it just it it's almost like a little bit of a gateway. Like yeah you start identifying the plants and then you start looking a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and and you you realize oh i must be in this kind of region or i must be in a wetland or i must be in an upland you know and i i I do that we were on a a a nature hike this weekend i was doing that with my fiance i was like you know all these plants are facultative upland so what does that tell you (laughs) and was she annoyed by that or was completely annoyed (laughs) (laughs) she just wanted to enjoy the walk we we went on a hike this weekend with my in-laws and uh and i'm i tried to be quiet and just talk to my wife about it. I'm like oh yeah that's this plan this is this plan just pointing out stuff and then she like said loudly isn't it really fun going on hikes with Tom <laughs> <laughs> actually she really appreciated it because they were asking about some stuff too but yeah I, I just shared a post on my Facebook uh, uh, it said you you deserve somebody who knows the names of all your favorite plants yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that one because she just some a lot of times she's just like, oh, that's cool. You know, she doesn't care. So yeah. uh, it's, it's funny that uh, other people have that experience too. You know, but it, it does pay off in different ways. I know um, at one point my fiance sent me a text and she was researching and she wanted to plant a tree somewhere and she researched mm-hmm. and actually picked a native tree that would go well in that area. Like, and she didn't, she doesn't want to plant anything that's not native now. So it, 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 it may not be as overt as walking through and naming everything, but like I yeah. at least know it's made an impact on her life, which is yeah. whether she wanted it or not, yeah. she she yeah. got it. But I I think you know kind of going back a little bit, like what I appreciate about the TikTok is even though it's overwhelming and it may be hard to give everyone the advice that they need, you created a space that maybe didn't exist for more people to do it to help more people, and I think. You kind of did that with your Native Habitat Managers Facebook group because you created a whole resource of people that can help. And mm-hmm. I see a lot of questions yeah. posted, and I see a lot of incredible advice given from oh, yeah. professionals that know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so it's a mixture of landowners that are, are looking to make a difference and people that, that can actually give good advice without it being – so many social media groups can be off-putting. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it, to me, it tends to be people that aren't as knowledgeable that think they know everything. And you don't get yeah. that. This, this is a very welcoming group that's giving fantastic advice. Was, was that your intent or did it yeah. just happen that way? Yeah, that was, that was one of our goals. And that's, that's, how, it, that's how it started, really. Um, uh, I think it was one of my Facebook posts. Uh, some, we got to talking. Uh, there's eight of us that are admins and we all started started the group it was all of our ideas and we we brought it up in this in this uh post i made we're like you know there's not a there's not a place for uh hunters to get good advice you know there's a lot of 
deer hunting groups mm-hmm. and the advice in there is usually horrible uh, a lot of you get you get 10 bad answers for every one good answer mm-hmm. and you know we got to talking and we were like there should be a place for hunters who care about conservation who who are like-minded and want to manage native ecosystems and manage an ecosystem instead of managing for one type of wildlife and there should also be botanists and foresters and native plant enthusiasts and you know all those types of experts in the group as well and you know when you think about it a lot of those folks aren't always on the same page with a lot of things um Mm -hmm. and you know we're a little worried about that you know because they come from a lot of backgrounds you know you have deer hunters and native plant enthusiasts those you know people usually don't think of those two groups as as mingling together and being in the same room but um it's it's worked well for us i don't know i, I was surprised because i figured there'd be more arguing and and a lot more uh you know uh i guess uninformative comments and stuff like that but it's been a great group for for anybody at any level because there's a lot of folks who who've been doing it for a long time have a lot of great examples of what their properties look like now which is really inspirational but there's also a lot of folks who are just starting out and they have a lot of questions and you can ask questions there and 99 percent of the time it's going to be a great answer from a professional so mm-hmm. yeah and that's what i've learned so much through that group and um just for stuff that we want to do on our own farm and uh I guess when I first joined, I was incredible to see some people who are, by uh, by the general term celebrity, I wouldn't say they're celebrities, but in that space, I would say they're celebrities. You have uh, like mm-hmm. Kip Adams and, and uh, Lindsey Thomas Jr. from National Deer Alliance. I think Doug Duran, who's kind of yeah. affiliated with um, Meat Eaters in there, and uh, mm-hmm. and a bunch of other like big names in that yeah, space where we're include oh yeah not me <laughs> I, don't, I think i've posted like twice I have, i'm learning more than i'm I, i'm posting I, i'm watching and and listening and not i haven't i haven't added anything just yeah. because it's i feel like so much of this is out of my realm and yeah. i'm i'm looking at it as a learning standpoint for me yeah and you have like the land and legacy guys who they have their own podcast oh, yeah. that are is talking about native habitat management on a i guess a weekly basis multiple times a week so to actually have some extra interaction with them and then other people who really know probably even more than those guys do and are doing more than those guys do just don't have the the name recognition um is really really fantastic and there is a couple arguments but it tends to be like when's the best time to do a prescribed burn and then hinge cutting is the other one but it's not like it's it's uh, arguments where both options are really, really good options, and it's which one's going to be the better option. Where uh, in some of these other groups, you don't you don't see that kind of advice. Uh, whether it's a hunting yeah. group or, or you get a lot of bad advice, where in this you're getting two sorts of good advice, and you got to pick which one's better. It's it's a discussion handled with respect. Yes, which yeah. um, I think is the most important aspect of that because that's what you don't receive on a lot of these social media groups. Um, yeah. And it's I I think when you have the right people and you create the right culture from the onset, I think a lot of that has to do with who is the um, moderator or ad- mm-hmm. ad- administrator on the on the site. So I, I think if there's yeah. eight of you, I think it's a pretty clear message what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, yeah and we're all like-minded too. So, uh, you know, we, it's been easy. A lot of people are like, how do y'all have eight admins? Like that's gotta be confusing and, and it's not, I think it's, I think it's helped a lot because we all we're all on the same page. But um, you know, you mentioned land and legacy. Uh, 
Chad uh, was one of the Chad Keith was one of the people who helped start it, and mm-hmm. and uh, Landon Legacy, their folks I've been listening to for a long time. They're they're a great they have a great podcast as well. I listen to both of y'all guys, and and they seem they seem to be on the same page I am with you know uh, mm-hmm. managing ecosystems and. But the good thing, the one one thing I like about the group is 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 it's not just for land managers and habitat managers. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of folks on there asking about just around their homes too, um, small projects where they're you know trying to get rid of an invasive or or want to introduce some uh, some native plants to their small property or something. And and uh, there's there's if you got a question about managing uh, land or managing for native habitat, there's there's going to be somebody in there who can help you out, no matter how big or small the project is. I think your next uh, your next mission is a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're waiting for 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 your uh, native habitat project podcast. Yeah, we can yeah, be your well, first I've guest. Had, <laughs> I've had a lot of people request request that, and and uh, I don't know I don't know if I'm up for it yet. I don't know it, it might be where I go eventually, but I, I TikTok think, working. I think you have the audience and the right connections that I mm. think that would be an intriguing – you know, some of these things that you're dealing with in the Facebook group, if you can expand on that and, and hear these people talk about it for an hour, I think that would be invaluable. The amount yeah. – like I said, like I don't I don't post anything. I listen and, and just learn. So I think that's a, that's something I'm interested in. I'm, I'm saying this for selfish reasons because I would like to – So, Kyle, why yeah. was uh, gathering – these these hunting groups basically and these hunt, people who like to hunt and also appreciate native plants why was that important um i i kind of leading you into what i'm hoping you're gonna say yeah. based on what the yeah. the regular hunting industry kind of promotes yeah it's it's a big there's a huge missed oppor- missed opportunity there with sportsmen and uh it seems like originally a lot of them were conservation minded um and on the right track but people quickly saw that you know hunters and fishermen they're they're willing to spend a lot of money uh towards managing the wildlife they like to they like to hunt or uh, pursue and and so unfortunately that led to a lot of people marketing things to them and it's not always things that are actually beneficial um and it's a lot of things that are instead of managing managing an ecosystem it's managing for one type of wildlife mm-hmm. And a lot of times, 99% of the time, it's with something that's not native, uh, something that's a monoculture that doesn't do anything for our native wildlife or insects other than the one that they're trying to plant for. And a lot of times, it doesn't even do as much for that species as they think it does. And so I've, 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 that's one of the big reasons I, I decided to speak up is because I want to see a change there. Um, I'd like to see hunters get back on track and start managing ecosystems instead of instead of buying into the stuff that they're being sold and and it's not you know it's not necessarily their fault it's been it's been uh idolized and sold to them for for years and uh and what sold me what sold me on that idea is i guess about four years ago i was managing a property and back then you know i was planting a lot of food plots i was obsessed with food plots and uh i also knew that i also knew how to manage timber because i had already graduated from forestry school and and so i was managing timber cutting out you know cedars and things like that opening up areas trying to get a lot of regeneration uh, of native plants because i knew that was really beneficial and so 
I was doing that in some areas, but there was this 40 acre property and there was two open areas that were maybe combined, maybe an acre, probably, probably not even that. And the first thing a lot of hunters do when they find a property is that that's mostly wooded is the first, the first open spot or the only open spot they got, they're going to plant a food plot there. And so that's what I did. And, uh, I went in there, sprayed it all off, killed everything, fertilized it, disturbed the soil. And then I went in there and planted, you know, a monoculture of food plot seed. And, uh, and a couple years later, or I guess about a year later, some of those areas on the edge of those fields that I had cut a lot of cedars off of, um, started growing up in things that I had never even seen before. And, uh, and it was a lot of rattlesnake master, blazing star, uh, you know, gray headed coneflower, um, a lot, there's like four or five species of milkweed, uh, Cena, uh, there's just a lot, a lot of diversity there. And I could probably list 7,500 species that were growing here <laughs> on this place. And, uh, I was like, what in the heck are these things? I'm a forester. I got a forestry degree at the time I was working for the fish and wildlife state fish and wildlife for uh three years and and uh so i sent some of those pictures to a botanist um, named kevin england and he's came uh, somewhat of a mentor of mine uh, for native plants and and he was like where is this place i need to see it so we went out there and he was like this place is incredible he's like this is a limestone barren um lots of state listed plants there that were s1s you know really threatened um, even I think there's been f- probably five or six, if not more county records, um, that have never yeah. been seen in my county before. And I was sitting there looking at it and I'm like, well, last year I killed off the majority of this thing. And now, you know, what's, what's there now? It's not, it's not native plants. Um, and, and I saw that because I had, you know, quote unquote, improved the soil with fertilizer and stuff, I was seeing a lot of things coming back like that I didn't want, you know, Cerecia, Lespediza, uh, Japanese stillgrass, fescue, a lot of invasives were t- returning in that area that I tried to plant a food plot in. So that's become a battle. I've been trying to return it back to what it once was, but that was really eye-opening for me. I was like, how many times has that happened where somebody's came in because they were told they needed to plant a food plot to manage for wildlife. They came in, tried to do that, and ended up destroying what would be the end goal for a lot of folks on you know the native habitat managers page. They destroyed that mm-hmm. and turned it into something that, you know, isn't isn't natural and uh, you know isn't gonna isn't gonna uh, support an entire ecosystem. So that was really eye opening for me and that's when I was like something something has to change. Um, we we gotta we gotta educate more hunters um and at that time i needed to be educated so uh i was it it hit close to home and so that kind of fed my passion for it so and it was actually more work and more time for you to do like to learn the that lesson (laughs) (laughs) of of what to do and what not to do and it's i I think that's important, and the only way you can do that is by getting all these groups together. I really, mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. believe it. Not just in groups like that, even in in government agencies. So many people are doing such great work, and not everyone knows what everyone is doing. Um, and we've had a lot of callers 
call in and ask a question and then the the state cooperative extension will call up and say well that's what we do they should come see us or nrcs is mm-hmm. like well we give grants for this we can give grants for deer fencing we can get, you know but not everyone knows what all these other agencies are doing and it's the same thing in the community with with habitat managers not everyone knows or or these hunting groups mm-hmm. so to bring everyone together yeah. and kind of get everyone on the same page is kind of invaluable yeah and but i still think the the predominant message for uh for hunters it tends to be you need to bring in non-natives um to attract deer or or even uh, another thing you hit on a lot is uh for screening so that you're you're not as noticeable getting in and out of your your tree stand or tree or your blind or anything like that um yeah and there's a lot of non-natives that are recommended for that when there's great native mm-hmm. substitutes so why don't you tell us yeah. a little bit about that too well let me tell um, first of all i'd like to say you know deer are generalists you know they're they can survive anywhere in a neighborhood in town i mean they're they're they don't need specific they don't have really many specific needs they can survive basically anywhere they're like goats and uh, and that's why they can target those deer hunters you know when you look at quail hunters or grouse hunters or you know some of those species that are more you know specialists you have to they have to have their native habitat you have to manage them with the native plants they would need in their ecosystems because they need the insects they need the seeds from those native plants and so that's where deer hunters have been led astray because they're generalists and you can you could plant anything you want up there and it's good and you're going to see deer probably using it because they're they can survive on anything but if you if you use native plants you're not just helping those deer you're helping the whole ecosystem but mm-hmm. um yeah a lot of things have been promoted for screens um that's that's a that's been a a huge uh a huge topic of mine on facebook everybody knows me as the guy who hates uh, muscantus <laughs> so i think public enemy number one for muscantus uh growers so um and and my problem there is is there is they claim that it's you know for one they're planting it for wildlife and it's does nothing it's it's not going to be good for wildlife but they claim that it's sterile that it's not going to spread that you know it's it's okay to plant and you know that's to me that couldn't be further from the truth because once you plant it there it's it's there forever Mm -hmm. i mean it's you're not going to get rid of it unless you if unless you spray it and spend a bunch of time and money to to get rid of it it's going to be there forever i don't you know it's not going to just disappear one day because it's a it's not like an annual or something that you plant with a lot of those food plot mixes that you know you plant it one year and a couple years that you don't see it there anymore um that muscanthus is something that's going to be there forever and and it, it doesn't it doesn't do for wildlife what a lot of our you know natural screens could do which i don't think a screen necessarily is is really is really important anyways it's more so for the hunter instead of mm-hmm. for the wildlife but you can use a lot of native species instead of miscanthus for that screen and uh to me it is spreading you know if you're selling it and you're sending it shipping it all across america you're spreading a non-native non-native species and and even though it can't spread maybe by seed which we've been told that before about a lot of non-native yeah. things um <laughs> Even though it can't spread by seed, it's spreading because it's being sold, and hunters are planted in a lot of rural areas where, you know, there normally probably wouldn't be a lot of non-native invasives. Yeah, you know, it's we've known that 
Japanese silvergrass has been invasive for over 25 years. Over 25 years, mm-hmm. and it's still readily available in most states. Probably, I'd say like like 46 states. Probably, you can still buy it. Yeah. It's and it's 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 an issue. And I know where I used to live, one of my neighbors had miscanthus planted all over their properties, and then they would cut it and put it in the woods across the street, which was private property. <laughs> And the the woods were loaded with it, you know, and it was that whole yeah. that the woods were all loaded with with Japanese silver grass and lesser celandine, and it was all the understory was all invasive. So it's, you know, you can see it if you look for it. A lot of people just don't know where to where to look for it, or they don't realize that it's it shouldn't be where it's at. Yeah, yeah, and then and they claim that this this one that they're selling is sterile, and uh, you know, the the word sterile. Um, doesn't doesn't mean much to me anymore just because they said that about Bradford pear too yeah um, if you have if you have to put on when you're when you're selling something if you have to say that it's sterile you pro- it probably should be sold you know yeah. there's, there's that means turn <laughs> that invasive so if some if somebody's selling you something and they put on there that it's sterile just don't buy it we, we, that's my we've heard that with purple loose strife we've heard that with Japanese barberry we've heard that with all these and it's not necessarily yeah. the the case and uh and when it comes to invasive plants a lot of people they don't see it popping up their own property or they don't see it popping up nearby where they are and they don't look in the the woods near their house or they don't look uh on the long roadsides i I saw a giant miscanthus growing along uh route 80 in in northeastern pennsylvania (laughs) when i was coming back from the poconos this weekend and i was like holy crap what the heck is that doing there it was just two like right next to each other just on the side of the road yeah. and yeah. how to get there i don't i don't know because it wasn't like there was any exits close by it's somehow yeah. got there but and, th- and that's been a good thing about tiktok is i can show um yeah. i can show people plants and once they see them on there then i get a lot of messages hey you know that you, i saw this tiktok and the next day i saw it down the road from my house mm-hmm. whether that's a plant and they were excited about it or whether it's an invasive and you know then they knew that if it was an invasive then they knew that they need to get rid of it but uh that's been a great great thing about tiktok is it it's just real quick people can watch a short video and they can learn about a native or a non-native and and we've seen a lot of of great things between what you're doing and foraging and there, there's so many people doing some great uh mm-hmm. educational things just for for people to learn with all this positive that we've talked about do you get any negativity like is there do you have trolls that that go through and you see things and you're like really like where did this come from um not really but, okay uh, that's I'm good expect- i'm expecting it um <laughs> you know I, I have um i guess somewhat uh just because i'm native plant talk i get a lot of it it's not re- they're not really trolling but i get a lot of people um uh, from uh i guess native talk native american talk mm-hmm. and a lot of them are really supportive but sometimes people are like you know you should you know because because I'm a white person managing native ecosystems, they uh, they tend to get upset about that. But um, you know, that's what I'm trying to do is replicate what Native Americans were doing in the first place. So that's not really trolling, but that's been you know some negative feedback I've gotten. But um, for the most part, people have been pretty positive, and uh, I'm preparing for that though. So I've been I try to try to prepare for that and and uh, not not put my personal stuff out there too much just because i'm probably going to get a troll eventually there's a a lot of crazy people on the internet so but it's with that it's something where 
when you're talking about native plants, a lot of the people who were probably doing things uh, what we consider the wrong way didn't know they were doing them the wrong way. So this is like enlightening yeah. to them. It's not necessarily a negative thing. Um, yeah. And from what I've seen, you're never really, like I said, with your, your uh, uh, how to destroy an ecosystem post, you were disparaging it all. You're saying, hey, if I want to destroy an ecosystem, I would do these things. And it just yeah. happens to be what everyone's doing. But um, yeah. Yeah, so well, there's not a lot to to get negative about, and I think it's opening a lot of eyes to, hey, I've been doing this the wrong way, and there is a better way to do it. Yeah, and and there's there's a that's that's on purpose because I've I've seen people sharing about native plants and uh, you know on social media in the past and doing it in a way that uh, wasn't wasn't really uh, grabbing people's attention. Mm-hmm. It was kind of off-putting to them and um you know it's, I've, it's and it's usually videos of people videoing their neighbor using a leaf blower shaming them saying you know mm-hmm. hey you know they my neighbors are doing things wrong and you know when anytime you publicly shame somebody they're not going to get on your side yeah. of things and and uh that's to me i was like that's not the way to go about it you know we need to we need to lead by example and uh you know inspire and and so that's what I try to do when, in my videos. I try to not attack people and say, you know, hey, you have a yard, shame on you. Uh, you have non-natives in your flower bed, shame on you. Because I still have some of those things at my house. I'm still trying to get rid of some of those myself. So I can't shame somebody for doing mm-hmm. something I'm doing. And, and I wouldn't want to do that anyways because that's not a great way to get people on board with on board with planting natives so no none of us are perfect and we all have our things that that we do that maybe don't fit into our line of work or our love but but you do it because it has sentimental reasons or something like that but it's it's really easy to post a a video of your neighbor leaf blowing and shaming them it's another thing to post a video of your own yard covered with leaves and talking about all the great habitat that you just created like look what i just did like i just created so much habitat and and mm-hmm. overwintering nesting ground and all these things that you could you could really pump up the positive. There's there's two yeah. ways you could do it. Yeah, exactly. And, and and most likely when you do it that way, your neighbors will be like, oh, I can. My neighbors leaving their leaves. I can do that. I can get out mm-hmm. of leaves blowing for two hours. That <laughs> sounds good to me. Yeah. But uh, you know they're not going to do that when they when you're out there shaming them. So that's that's yeah. uh, that's not the way to go about it, in my opinion. Yeah, that should be everyone's homework. Because this fall, as the leaves start to fall leave the leaves one and then make a video about it and put it on your Facebook saying, this is why I'm leaving the leaves. That's a great way to yeah. make it. It's a super easy change because it's actually less work than, than what you were doing yeah. before. And it provides so many benefits just making that small, small change. But people don't, they don't realize how what? beneficial it and is. You could, you could point out the leaves on the ground and the, the herbaceous material not cut back and mm-hmm. all the habitat that you provide it. And you just saved yourself you know all the work you're sitting there enjoying it instead of blowing the leaves up cutting the garden back it's it's you can give yourself that's i i would take that over mowing the lawn any day any day yeah Yeah. and i think we all could top up native plants a little bit more on you know social media and stuff or show people what we're doing and get others excited i think that's something anybody can do and uh and you know Say hey, if you're from New Jersey or whatever, I, I just planted this native uh, that's native to our state. Uh, this is where I got it, and uh, I think that would go a long way mm-hmm. in in people's mindset here in, in America. That that is a great idea. Now now that 
we have all this social media and all these Facebook groups and everything that's been done. Do you, like it's it's I can't imagine not having it. Do you feel that that it's created more of a sense of community within the restoration field? Yeah, yeah, and you can see that on the the native habitat managers page. Um, but definitely, um, it's uh, it's created a you know a group of people who can who can go to each other for advice and share what they're doing and and inspire others. I think it's I think it's been a huge tool, and uh, you didn't have that in the past. Um, I mean, I don't know how you would have got in contact with uh, you know as many people as you can on social media doing the same thing you're doing. Um, it, I think it would have been impossible. So it's been super invaluable. And it's contagious and educational. You know, I, I was thinking as we were talking, had it not been for the podcast and it had not been for your native habitat managers group, it's possible that we would have never connected. Um, and, and I think it's important what we're all doing. And it's not just what you're doing in your corner of the, of the country or world. It's, it's learning what everyone else is doing because it's so diverse and there's so many different things that you could do to be helpful and how you can help other people and how they can help you. It's, it's just nice that because of social media, we've been able to connect and have this great conversation sure. that might not have happened 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of my favorite things on the, on the uh, in, in the group is uh, if you've ever seen a post by Keith Horn, he, I think he's from mm-hmm. Illinois, he, he, he'll post like once a month a list of like 75 photos of his prairie. And uh, man, that's my favorite thing is going through there, scrolling through all his pictures and seeing seeing how his property is so productive for wildlife and what you know as seeing all the diversity there it's it's an inspiration so that's something i get a lot out of uh from the group is is it's a great place to inspire folks and and see what others are doing so i want to challenge everyone to do a lawn video but we're going to create a hashtag right now that everyone's going to use i want it to be hashtag kyle's project yeah. There you go, and everyone is going to show videos of them leaving leaves and everything, and we're gonna we're gonna inspire and and create some good hashtags. Yeah, and and yeah. if you don't think doing something like that's important, I'll tell you why it is right now. I just uh, and Kyle, you probably saw me looking down on my phone, but I was going through Facebook and I went through about twenty posts. Uh, has had a bunch of native habitat managers group posts in there too, but there was four or five different ads. Um, and two of them were for, uh, or one was Scott's, and then one was another lawn care product. I don't remember what it was. So you have five ads, and so you're getting all this advertising already. A lot of it is for non-native plants, keeping your lawn looking green, getting rid of the leaves, those kind of things. There's no advertising money going into the other side, our side of things, saying leave the leaves, because there's no money to be made there. What are you, yeah. How are you going to make money I, by leaving the leaves? Yeah. So it's really important that people, like if I'm getting that on my phone as someone who is passionate about native plants and is in a bunch of native plant groups, people who aren't in those groups aren't get, are not get getting even less native plant content than, than I am. So mm-hmm. you need, it's up to you, because you have friends that aren't native plant enthusiasts, it's up to you to go out and make those posts so that people know. We need to get this message spread because if, ever, if only two people on your street are leaving their leaves uh, it's making a difference but it could make a lot bigger difference if you had 10 people or 20 people or a lot more and and there's a lot more money behind the non-native stuff you know i i i don't think i had told you yet tom but someone reached out and said you're an influencer we would like you to (laughs) to post or pose with these plants and do instagram posts well they were all (laughs) non-native there was not one 
they're like, we'll give you $150 towards plants from our store to take pictures with it. And, and not there wasn't one native plant. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah. wow, so this is where the money's being spent and what they're advertising to. But yeah. none of it is even close to what we're yeah. preaching or or trying to accomplish. Yeah. At least we got something that was plant related <laughs> instead of uh, <laughs> instead of uh, the beer ones and the beer ones would have been okay. The we beer would have been that okay. one kind of fell through. But the uh, the the pills and, and <laughs> the, the the pills not and the garden hedge trimmer the, ones yeah. I don't think are for us. <laughs> Do you do you get people reaching out to you for for advertising purposes at this point for for things like that uh, as an influencer? Yeah, I've I've gotten several. Um, uh, some of them for been like water bottles and things like that that I wouldn't be interested in. But um, recently, I've had some had uh, a big uh, bigger companies reach out, but that's still in the works. So hopefully, awesome. in the future, I'll making some videos on things like that so that's fantastic yeah, oh, that's great you, there, there's nothing nothing better than being behind a, or 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 speaking for a product that you're behind or you believe yeah. in and that's yeah. that's really important and we we mention things all the time that we you know we're not we're not getting any advertising dollars but we're happy to spread a product that we know is at least a good product mm-hmm. that we've had good success with yeah and yeah it makes me feel good because i spend a lot of time um a lot of time on you know making videos and stuff and and i don't make much money on it so that's that's nice it's a way to make some some money uh just two days ago mossy oak sent me like 14 hats so uh as you know from uh from my aspect i've i've made it already because (laughs) i've asked from mossy oak so if, if i get nothing else after this then I'm content because I got a bunch of camouflage hats from Mossy You know what? Tom Tom has some really nice hats. Yeah, that... but I had to buy mine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's it, it's and that's one thing that I think is important for for people to remember, at least in this space. And I can't talk for everyone, but a lot of this isn't for personal advancement. This is for the love of what we do, and and that shows with with all the, yeah. with the amount of time. And love that goes behind uh, these native plant um, social media groups and 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 posts and videos. That's all you know. And, and Tom can can speak for this. Mm-hmm. The amount of time for the videos that we do, it's time consuming. It's not like a real quick edit and you get it out. Like there's a lot of work that goes behind spreading this message. Um, and we're doing a lot of it after hours, things like that, because mm-hmm. you you just you you want it. You want the the you want to spread the love. Yeah, I don't know yeah, how exactly. to say. It. Yeah, for the for the past three or four years, um, you know, I've been finding a lot of roadside remnants and and uh, places where there's rare plants or or rare ecosystems, and I've been managing those just uh, you know on my own time and my free time, burning them and for free and and uh, just to make sure that those places don't disappear and that they mm-hmm. stay around. And uh, when I start when I started making TikToks, people were like, "Well, how do I get your job?" And I'm like. Well, this, you know, this isn't a job. I wish it was. Hopefully it will be one day, but it's just, you know, me doing something, you know, as a concerned citizen in my free time. And, and that's something anybody can do. But, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work put into it. That reminds me of a, a quote that I heard on the Land and Legacy podcast, but it, they were quoting someone else. And it was, uh, you want to do what I do, but you don't want to do what I've done. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing there, but it was basically you're, 
like what you just explained, you're doing a lot of this in your own free time. You're doing it for free. You're just you're doing it because you love it. And yeah. a lot of people want to say, oh, he's got how many TikTok followers do you have now? Last I checked, it was getting close to a hundred thousand. I think it's over that. I don't know. I think it's like <laughs> I hadn't looked lately, but I think it's like a hundred and a hundred and uh, hold up. <laughs> 155 so wow yeah they want that 155,000 tiktok followers but they don't want to put in the literally years of work that you've put in yeah. and even stuff that you were doing off camera because you love it so much um mm -hmm. to to get up but, to that point it, it's a lot of work and like even what we're doing we we have way smaller of a following than you do but it's a uh, it's yeah. a lot of work you're giving up hours a week and we yeah. try and scale it down as as easy as we can yeah but, yeah, but we do a lot of this on our own time mm -hmm. just because we we want to do it yep. like we're yeah. not you know we're fortunate enough that what we do on like right now we're getting paid to do this because we're on the clock yeah. it's a work day for us but there's a lot of you know and i feel very fortunate for that but there's a lot of a lot of it it's it's our expenses to to make it <laughs> you know the equipment yeah. behind it to make it run and and we're happy to do it we love you know we're not complaining about yeah. it at all what, what was the first thing that um that you saw that inspired you like pull over on the side of the road or you just stopped while you're walking around and said hey i gotta make a video of this what was like the first one that uh that got you to make a video oh gosh um well that limestone baron that i destroyed was one of the first ones it wasn't on the roadside but um you know, I travel a lot with my job as a forester, and so, um, gosh, it was probably it was probably one just down the road from my house. Uh, it had a lot of big blue stem, or a lot of little blue stem on it, and uh, I made a video about it last fall after I burned it, um, and I was talking about how I, why I burned it, and I was burning it in the fall trying to promote wildflowers because there are some rare, rare wildflowers there on that site, and uh, that was probably that was one of the first ones I made on Facebook that did pretty well. And this year after that burn, I've recorded almost 50 wildflowers returned, wow. uh, 50 species of wildflowers returned after that burn in the fall, uh, that weren't there previously or that I didn't see the previous year. So that was pretty cool to see. Um, but that was, that was probably my first one, but I was also just making anytime I saw some, uh, neat wildflowers or something, I would, make a video about it and i don't know i don't really don't remember where it started but porter's goldenrod was another one um, mm -hmm. that was one that i found and it that's probably my biggest video on tiktok i think it has over a million views on there wow. um and it was a species that uh Dwayne estes who y'all had on he discovered it in tennessee and then uh i think it's dr sample from canada found it in alabama back in like 2003 and that was the first time it had been seen in 160 years wow. it was first collected in 1840 wow. and it wasn't described as a new species until uh i think it was 1900 and so uh it was 160 years since they seen it and so simple saw it he couldn't figure out what it was Dwayne saw it or found it in tennessee once at one site he couldn't figure out what it was and it took him a couple years to figure out that it was porter's goldenrod and by then that site in Alabama had been destroyed. So Dwayne reached out to me last year about finding that plant. And uh, I was like, well, do you have, do you have any idea where it was first found? And uh, he was like, he's like, I can get Dr. Simple to send you the, the uh, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Coordinates? Location. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the coordinates, coordinates. But uh, so I look at it, and it's like half a mile from my front door. Where, <laughs> and I was like, well, that's ironic. So I went up there in Tennessee to help them do some forestry stuff around the site, and I got to see the plant. And the same day I came back, and the first place I stopped, uh, I found it, rediscovered it, and there was about 50 plants there. And this is one of two sites in the world where it grows. Wow. And uh, some reason that really caught a lot of people's attention on there. They like seeing that. Mm-hmm. Of course, I got a lot of comments. You know, this is goldenrod. It's in my backyard. I got tons of goldenrod here. <laughs> and I'm in I'm in Washington State, and I've got this in my front yard. And I'm like, you know, this is a porter's. Gold. There's a lot of species of it. This is a, this is mm-hmm. one of those. You know, I think there's hundreds of species of goldenrod. But um, that's been that's been a cool cool uh, video and people react really well to it so now along with that i wonder if there's pollinators that you would only like specialists that you would only see with that with that community or that plant yeah um i've been i've been watching keeping an eye out for it and i take pictures of it any of them i see and i'm not an entomologist but um i'm trying to keep an eye out uh yeah there could be um and it's that plants for a lot it relies on savannas oak savannas mm-hmm. and unfortunately um Unfortunately, around here, a lot of those oak savannas were some of the first places where neighborhoods were built because they were relatively open. And uh, and this site where it's at is actually between two houses. It's on it a lot that should have a house on it, but uh, you know got spared. And so that's it's barely hanging on there. Wow. And uh, it's that's been a cool one to be able to protect and put some signs up to keep it from getting mowed. Awesome. So what I find fascinating about our talk so far today is we've talked for, for probably about an hour, and we've only talked about what you do in your spare time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, you mentioned you're a forester uh, as for, for your paid living. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do for a living? Yeah. So uh, for the past four years, I've uh, been buying, buying timber, which, you know, around here, usually timber buyers you know they go in and they're looking out for themselves they're wanting to make the most money off that timber as they can and and that's an area that i've tried to be different um i try to if a landowner wants to have a timber harvest done and they're dead set on it i'll make sure that it's done as as uh you know consciously as possible and it's not always bad you know there's a lot of cool things that return after a timber harvest but um so that's what i've been doing for years i do a lot of consulting um you know prescribed burning uh, things like that but uh, that's also something I'm I'm trying to I, I'd like to I'd like to manage grasslands and stuff like that full-time so uh, you know and consult uh, I don't know I, was, I spent a lot of time on the ground going around driving knocking on mm-hmm. doors talking to landowners and that's how I came across a lot of plants and I was just traveling so much uh, seeing a lot of things but uh, at the same time I you know I don't know eventually I think I'm up might change over from you know you know driving and talking to landowners every day trying and, and change over to you know running a native habitat project and saving grasslands and doing prescribed burns and doing consulting wildlife stuff and uh that's wildlife really my passion but um i guess hopefully i'll make that transition eventually that's what i've been doing for the past four years and it's it's been good money and paid the bills and it's got me outside every day and that met a lot of landowners and and that's helped me a lot with finding roadside remnants you know um it's nothing for me to find out who the landowner is who owns that property and and it's nothing for me to go knock on their door and talk to them for a minute mm-hmm. and tell them what they got so that's that's been a huge 
huge plus for you know with this job it's kind of prepared me for that so. it's, it's interesting that a lot of people think that habitat management is doing nothing and which yeah. which maybe in some instances it is you know but it's it's in, and Tom's brought this up with books and, and other mm-hmm. things with other guests that we've talked to that habitat management we've been managing our habitats for hundreds and hundreds of thousands years, of years thousands yeah. of years yeah. you know and it's it's you know and and there's a reason why there's successional forests and things like that you do need you, you can't protect it from everything because everything was there before yeah. and 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 played its course and it all plays a, a major role yeah. Yeah, originally those forests were maintained with um you know by uh megafauna you know large herbivores go through and knock over trees and stuff i mean that's why things like honey locusts have big thorns to keep them from getting knocked over and you know after we lost all of those it was it was managed with fire by native americans and and now we think doing nothing is the way to manage it and that's why you know a lot of our ecosystems are collapsing and you know they're they're you know having gigantic fires run through them uh, they're not managed right and uh and it's weird to say that i was just talking yesterday with a biologist um in tennessee and alabama you know we're, they're trying to put a lot of effort towards restoring quail habitat and so they're thinning a lot of forest creating savannas and the cool thing is when they do that it brings in a lot of light to the ground and you get a lot of cool native species coming back a lot of wildflowers and uh and that creates great quail habitat but they're getting backlash from people and it's and it's not you know it's not the groups you would normally think would get, they'd get backlash from for cutting timber it's it's deer hunters and that's who's has the biggest problem with you know their timber harvest and in my opinion that's insane because you know you have shaded out hardwood forest where you know there's barely anything in the understory i know it's a huge problem in the northeast and you know in the midwest mm-hmm. you know you get so many deer that there's nothing growing in the understory and so bringing in that sunlight creates more food on the ground there for for deer and it kind of fixes that problem and uh you know provides more habitat you know it's not just deer that need those native plants and when those deer eat them out and there's like eat, eat it down to nothing then there's um you know there's nothing there left for other wildlife so when you open up that canopy bring in sunlight and you get a lot of growth coming from forest floor that's creating a lot more food for those deer that's going to support them but it's also going to support you know things like quail and, and songbirds mm-hmm. reptiles insects and uh and it's crazy to me that they're getting backlash on that because as a hunter those spots that's that'd be where i was i'd be hunting i'd be hunting mm-hmm. where they have all that food and all that cover and uh but it's kind of backwards a lot of deer hunters like to open hunt in those open woods where they can see forever and uh that's not always that's not great habitat no you know and it's it's important to mention too that it's it's very important to have a plan because some of the backlash up here is where they'll they'll do some cutting to open up spaces but they didn't have a plan to management and those spaces become overrun with invasives because that's what was close by Mm -hmm. when they made the yeah the yeah there was the invasives were already in the seed bank or in the soil so then when the uh the sunlight's brought in they just exploded because they're already there and um they didn't do any invasive management either first or or after so that's some of the issues we've seen in our area with the the timber cuts we have that problem here too in some areas but for the most part a lot of areas are are pretty free of invasives it's it's the places closer to town where there's a lot of invasives Mm -hmm. present and you get that response 
Um, but yeah, and, and, and a lot of the timbers hydrated too. That's another thing, you know, uh, you know, they come in and they, they cut all the best and leave the rest. And, and then you're left with, you know, species like maple, you know, just nothing but maple and beech. And that's what I see a lot of around here. And, you know, they cut all the oaks and hickories and then that forest changes. And uh, so it's, they need to be properly managed. And those, you know, those public lands where they're doing that, where they're trying to restore quail, they're, they're doing that correctly. I mean, they're going in and the first thing they're wanting to get rid of is probably the undesirable species. And they're going to cut those first and they're making sure they leave the beneficial species of trees like oaks and hickories and, and whatnot. So um, it, you got to have a plan and there's got to be a plan in place. But when you know people have a plan in place, um, that's something I think people, especially hunters, need to get behind. Yeah, well, I mean, when you think of just the mass that hickories and oaks produce for wildlife, uh, leaving those behind as beneficial, and uh, man, just the amount of habitat you're creating and biodiversity by mm-hmm. opening that up and letting some of those other things in is yeah. is something you could <laughs> just by cutting it open that you're you're doing work that you couldn't do if you tried, you know, yeah. as far as planting. So it's 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 pretty amazing. And, and speaking of plants, you were saying that you have a native plant nursery on mm-hmm. your on your yard now. Mm-hmm. So how how's that been going? Let's we, we'd like you to throw the name out and 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 promote yeah. that a little bit. Uh, it, it's called Tennessee Valley Natives and we started it last year. Well, I didn't start it last year. I started collecting seeds, I guess, three years ago. Uh, I was, you know, wanted to be mostly Alabama uh, wildflowers that I collected seeds from. And uh, so last year around COVID, like we were planting things as COVID was starting and uh, we we're a little bit nervous about it. We're glad we did because it kind of mm-hmm. uh, took off. But um this year my wife's taking over and she's working the nursery and, and I think we've got close to anywhere between 50, 75 uh, species at any any given point. And uh, all, most of those are, are seeds that I've collected from uh, plants here in Alabama. And uh, originally I was wanting to do it for, you know, restoration purposes like, like y'all do. Um, I was wanting to use those plant plugs to uh, rest- restore grasslands and uh, it ended up most of my customers are you know people homeowners you know who want pollinator gardens and stuff and and uh we we sell at the nursery by appointment you know we like to have our weekends like y'all do so uh, we we sell by appointment um you can contact us on facebook or instagram but we also set up at our local farmer's market and that's been a great experience for us because and it's and to me it's worth it's worth losing a few saturdays um Mm -hmm setting up at that farmer's market we we're selling native plants to people who aren't out looking for native plants uh they're just you know coming by and they want they're interested and they're like so what is this like and i'm like well every single thing we got here is 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 native to alabama um and they you know it it intrigues a lot of people Mm -hmm. and that's i found that is a great way to reach reach people that norm that like plants and they like growing things they're at a farmer's market they probably have an appreciation for plants and they might not know about native plants, so that's been a been a, a great place to educate and, and also sell some plants for us. So. Yeah, I, I think it's not that people are generally against native plants; they're just not yeah. really educated. They just don't know. Yeah, <laughs> they, they don't know don't. what they are. Um, and this is a conversation my wife and I had the other day, where she's like, "Before I met you, I didn't I'd heard of native plants, but I didn't know what made them so special or really what they were. I didn't know that they were any different than other plants that you get." So yeah, I just think a lot of people just don't know that this there is a, a drastic difference between 
uh, native plants and what you're going to find at your conventional garden center. You know, it's what if if you're just watching TV or listening to the radio, you 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 get fed that a a, a clean, nice looking green lawn mm-hmm. without weeds is what you're looking for, or you need this mosquito service to spray to keep all the the bugs away from you. And it's you know they don't know that there's all natural uh, products out there that can just repel mosquitoes and and keep you good yeah. without killing all mm-hmm. their their predators and all of that it's just it's just where the money's at and sometimes and and yeah you know yeah. it's yeah. what it's what you get fed hey, wh- one other yeah. thing you you recently started was the the native habitat project why don't you tell us a little bit about that too <clears throat> yeah well i've i guess that was i was kind of forced into it because of tiktok everybody was reaching out asking how they could help um they wanted to contribute um they're asking you know people wanted to know what i was doing and I didn't have a name to it. It's just what I've been doing for years. So um, I've, I've had some help from from a guy. He he was like, "This is what you need to do." He was like, "You should you got to start something that people can get behind and and support." And so that's what I did. Um, that was kind of the birth of the Native Habitat Project, and and uh, started Facebook, Instagram, and hopefully uh, I've been posting on YouTube. But ho- hopefully I'll kind of uh, do more of that in the in the future. But uh, it's a place, you know, it's what we're doing is basically what I've been doing for years, saving roadside remnants, uh, grassland remnants, uh, rare plants. Because, uh, like you said before, there's really no money for that to manage those places. Um, and it's, I don't get paid to do it. Um, the landowner is not going to front that cost uh, in most cases. And so it's, it's up to us, basically. Um, and so that's what I've been. I've just been taking the initiative to do, and there are programs probably for, you know, with the state or with a uh, fish and wildlife or something, but, um, you know, those take time that, and it, it's a lot, you know, there's a lot of time and rules that go into play there. And a lot of people are scared off by that fact. And so with this, I'm just like, you know, I'll, I, I can make things happen. I can go in and say, here's a rare plant. It, you know, this area needs burned this fall to make sure it, you know, it keeps, you know, existing and then i also put up a lot of signs on roadsides no mowing no spraying that's how a lot of these places get destroyed you know ironically mowing is probably the reason they're there in the first place but repetitive mowing over summers before they go to seed that'll eventually you know they they won't be able to reproduce anymore so that's i've been doing that a lot putting up those signs protecting those places but uh it's uh i don't know it's just something i recently started and and uh, a lot of people have been showing their support on patreon with that um and it's been uh it's been it's been awesome to see this many people wanted to support what i've been doing because i've been doing it for years thinking i was the one of the only people who cared about these places nobody Mm -hmm. knows what these native plants are nobody even pays attention to them just because not many folks are educated on it and and it's nice to see that this many people cared about something i've been doing for years so that's been really awesome to see and uh the support has been been great because I can finally I, I have some money to put into making some signs um, you know buying you know things to burn or whatever um, and that's it's been it's been great because I can't just do things for free forever my, my <laughs> life uh, kill me I just kept kept focusing on these places managing them for free and not actually working so it's been able to uh, allow me to do that and that's been awesome where can where can people find your patreon page 
or, um, or, or well, get to you on Patreon? On my Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, there's a link in the bio to uh, my campsite page that has my uh, has my Patreon, YouTube, all the social medias on there. So if you find any of my uh, social media accounts, you can look in the bio and find that link. We're, we're going to post links to all of those on in the show notes uh, as far as on the website. People can go and, and find you and, and contribute and help all they want. Hopefully we can steer uh, some more people your way. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right, Tom, do you have any other questions no, before no, the, we good. launch into I, the well, last I'm sure one? I have a ton more questions, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I don't want to take up too much time. So we, as you know, we always end with the same question uh, before we go into final thoughts and um, – and it's it's always probably the hardest question, and that's what is your favorite native plant? Bradford pear. Listen, <laughs> 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 um, we'd be lying if we didn't say yeah. there was one guest that gave us an invasive seriously as their favorite native plant because they were just unaware that it wasn't native, and we had to we had to cut it out. <laughs> so. Well, well, uh, mine's mine's a post oak. I like post oaks. Um, there, I think oaks in general are really beneficial for ecosystems. They do a lot. Um, and post oaks, uh, as a forester who likes grasslands, they kind of exist in both ecosystems and savannas and, and stuff. They like fire. And, and uh, I don't know. I just really like post oaks, the way they look. I think they have a really cool look to them. That's a great – I think that's the first time anyone's mentioned that yeah. one. Oh, what, yeah. what do you think? I think – yeah, I don't think yeah, – we've I, gotten oaks before. It's either been general or white oak, and a mm-hmm. lot of that is because Lepidoptera uh, – hosting oh, yeah. so but no great that's a great choice and that's one that you don't hear too often that i think it's an important species mm-hmm. so i yeah. love that that you mentioned that one um yeah the native plant, uh or the native or uh, native habitat project logo is a post oak leaf so it's in mm-hmm. our logo as well awesome awesome so we we always kind of finalize everything up with a final thought we this is where we give you the floor uh, and you can use it however you want. If you want to summarize or promote something or however you want to use it, we're going to hand it over to you and, and you could do whatever you want. All right. Yeah. Um, I'd, uh, I'd encourage people to, uh, check out the native habitat prod or native habitat managers page. I get those two confused all the time now. So, <laughs> um, that's a great place for anybody to check out. Um, I encourage folks to use iNaturalist and start learning the plants in your area. Look, my, the way I did it was when you're driving around, if you see anything in bloom and you don't know what it is already, stop and pull over and take a quick picture of it like a crazy person and jump back in your car and then uh, learn what that plant is. That's a, that's how I learned a lot of uh, the plants around my area. And uh, it, I, think, I think a lot of people would get enjoyment out of that. It's been something I've really enjoyed and uh, make you feel uh, closer to the area you live in and really have a respect for the native plants in that area. So that's my advice. That's how I really got into native plants is just learning what's around me. And, and anybody can do that nowadays with iNaturalist and any of these plant ID apps. So Awesome. I think that's great. Oh, yeah. You know, I use it all the time. You know, <laughs> we, we, you know, I've been working in the nursery industry over 30 years and I use iNaturalist all the mm-hmm. time because sometimes you're just not sure. You're not in the field all the time yeah. to really make that call yeah, so and, it's and being at a nursery we see stuff when it's small but there's some uh, there was i can't remember what tree it was i was walking around just in the woods behind our farm and i saw this tree and i'm like that looks really familiar but i can't remember what it was and i took a picture and it was something i'm 
knew exactly what it was. It was just it was a thirty foot tall tree and not a three foot tall tree like we grow it. Yeah, so. I, I, I that's happened to me with hackberry. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something we only yeah. ever see as a yeah. two to three foot tall tree, yeah. not as a, a forty foot tall tree out in out in nature. So yeah. it's it it's a great way to learn and hopefully you, you know it, it gives you a nice reference to go back. Yeah. Also, if you're like, what was it that I saw? Because it keeps track of of all the things that you searched for. So yeah. and it's funny yeah. you mentioned jumping out of the car because my wife actually did that twice in the last probably a week and a half we were cruising down the highway and she's like you see all those flowers i need to figure out what that is and it <laughs> yeah. actually was cl- uh, clematis okay invasive clematis is blooming all along oh, 295 yeah. or yeah. now and then um then the other one i can't remember what it was but we were sitting in some traffic and she just got out of the car and, <laughs> and took a picture of it got back in looked it up and found out what it was but yeah i, yeah. I do that all the time i'll pull over just walking around and uh, even stuff that I know, I just want a confirmation on it. Yeah. It's like I'm pretty sure it's this, but I don't know for sure. Golden rods I always mix up. Yeah, and and I so. like that it's community based and that yep. that people can chime in on what what you claim it is, and and someone else will confirm. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what I think it is too. So it's just nice having a, a couple other sets of eyes on it, just kind of you know, because it's not always it's not 100 percent accurate, but at least it gets you close. One so. of one of my favorite about it is the map. Uh, if you can if you find a species and you look at the you know you mm-hmm. click on the information on it you can see the map where everybody else has seen it and uh that's an awesome tool because around here if i see something just very few people have seen in alabama or the southeast and then i see a lot of them in the midwest i know it's probably a prairie species and and uh and probably pretty rare for the state and I, there's even been plants that, that uh i've been the first one to put them on iNaturalist in alabama and that's cool too that's- so that's pretty awesome. I like I like looking at the map just to see where everybody else has seen, yeah. seen the plant. Oh yeah. Oh totally, totally. Tom, would you like to go next? Yeah, yeah. So mine is uh is <laughs> uh, also about my wife. I talk about my wife a lot. Lately. That's a good thing. It's which isn't a bad That's thing. That's a yeah. good thing. She's learned a lot more about native plants, which is really exciting to see. But it's um she is also like an avid TikTok fan. And uh, and she started. I, I've kind of like disparaged TikTok on this show a couple times. I guess I'm getting old and crotchety now that I'm 32. But uh, I don't know. I just I, all this TikTok stuff I saw was younger people, and I'm like, and it was I don't know. It just I was sour to it. But uh, and I was like, I think it would be a really good base because you're reaching a whole different demographic than Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram do. But um, and then I was so happy to see that you were doing it. But anyway, my wife started. Well, she loved TikTok, so she started a nursery TikTok page for Pylons Nursery, and uh, and then I'd send her some videos. I'm on TikTok, but I don't have anything to do with it. I just send them to her, and she puts it up. But uh, she came across your page, and I I had seen your video on Facebook, and then I saw uh, saw that she was watching. I'm like, oh, you know, I I know that guy on Facebook, and then she's like, no, you don't. You don't. She's she thinks you're this big celebrity, and she was impressed that I knew who you were. So she wanted to say that she's a big fan of what you're doing too. But, well, I appreciate. Yeah. It. yeah, I used to. I used to think uh, TikTok was garbage too. So yeah. now, now I guess I changed my mind on that. Yeah. Well, let's. You know, and part of my final thought is a, a lot of social media, unfortunately, is garbage, um, mm-hmm. and you kind of have to wade through it to find something a little bit more inspiring. Because a lot of people tend to focus on the negativity rather than yeah. the positivity. So I love yeah. that. There's. There's social media that, for the most part, doesn't get used properly, but used properly, it does post good mm-hmm. results. 
Um, and it's and it's all – you know, this is a common theme. It all comes down to it's a lot of people doing it for the love of it, not for monetary value, yeah. even though ever, we would all like to, you know, benefit from it, at, you know, hopefully. So you yeah. can continue to do it and do it better and do more of it. Um, but, you know, a lot of what you're seeing as far as this industry, it's being done for the love of it, for restoring nature to mm. what we remember as children or our, what our grandparents remember. And just, you know, we see the things that are – Bad and hoping to educate more people to to do more positive things uh, in in the community in their own yards or, you know, mm-hmm. I I mentioned um, <clears throat> this past holiday I went to a state park in Pennsylvania that's seventeen hundred acres, and what I loved more than anything was that we were we were commenting as we were walking through the amount of different races and nationalities and how many people were speaking in languages that that we didn't know you know and it was we realized that everyone was enjoying the same natural space and i love that i love that more than anything it like it i i think so many so many races and nationalities were represented and then i started to think how many people think that being close to nature means going to a place like this and not necessarily having it when they go out their door you know and it's i i love that we're we're getting closer i think now hopefully like everyone realizes hey you can have this and you don't have to it's great to go somewhere and enjoy it as a community but you don't have to nature isn't some place that you go to it, it can be part of you and mm-hmm. there so and i think i think that's a very rambling final thought <laughs> by me no it's a good it's good thing too but so yeah, yeah. that happened that and that's that hits close to home to me because um, and not probably not many people know this. I went to a, a historically black university where 98.5% of the people there were African-American. The other one and a half percent were, were, you know, Asian or Hispanic. And then there was, there was me there. And so I was, <laughs> I was vastly outnumbered, but we had a forestry program and uh, it was awesome to see uh, people of, of different colors uh, enjoying the outdoors and, and learning. And uh, so that's something that I, I really believe in too. I'd love to see others uh, out enjoy the outdoors. And TikTok has been a great place for that. There's a lot of people of color who are, you know, who, who are foraging and, and uh, doing things like that outdoors. And it's really inspirational for others, I think. So, yeah, I love it. I love it that it's nature doesn't have to be inclusive or all exclusive i should say like yep. every, it yep. includes it, it should, should include inclusive. it yeah. should be inclusive to everyone yeah. and it's it was just interesting to see all these different nationalities how they enjoyed those natural like we just sat and people watched for a good half an hour of how everyone was enjoying it differently and it was really it was <laughs> we we just had such a great time watching other people enjoy themselves and yeah. uh you know, I, you know, a lot of times you think of going to a park or going to a natural area and being by yourself, and you want to enjoy that, that peace of mind and a little bit of quiet and and being alone. But there was something to be said about enjoying it with a large amount of people, all enjoying it for different reasons, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that was pretty inspiring to me. That made me look at it completely different than how I have been looking at it. It was like a, like an aha moment for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there, there was my final thought for your final thought. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have 
final thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, but that's going to wrap it up. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy listening to Kyle. Oh, crap. I forgot how you say it already. Was it Liebarger? Uh, Liebarger. I'm going to have to remember that. Uh, and uh, make sure you go and support the Native Habitat Project uh, for more information. Um, I didn't put it down because I wasn't sure yeah, where to we go, <laughs> but it's a campfire page. Do you know the, the the web address for your campfire page off the top of your head? I think it's campsite, but I don't, I don't know it off the top Sorry. of my head. It's on my TikTok. It's, yeah. It's, Instagram and Facebook, so you can find it there. All right, what's so your it's, TikTok uh, handle? It's Native Plant Talk for TikTok, yeah. and then um, then Native Habitat Project on Facebook, for and Facebook. yeah, yeah, yeah. So awesome! Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. To Native Plants, Healthy Planet, presented by Pylons Nursery. Uh, we're going to give a big thank you f- to the Egocentric Plastic Men for our theme music. So I, now that we're getting close to a new year, are we going to open it up? Are we going to do all new theme music next year? Uh, yeah, if, if you want. Do you want to do a contest again? And we it change is only it up? September. We no, but we're, a long but we got a contest. <laughs> but we're not going to remember until December <laughs> before we put it out there. But uh, maybe we'll have new theme music next year. But this year for uh, our Meet the Guest episodes, it's Egocentric Plastic Men. Uh, make sure you stream or buy their songs wherever you consume music. And live music is back. I know they're playing live music. So uh, if you're in the Philly area, uh, make sure you go see them or any of your local artists. Make sure you support them as well. You can follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Pinelands Nursery, or Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet, and YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. Uh, Keep it coming on the question and answer line. Uh, the number is 215-346-6189. I will repeat that, 215-346-6189. We already have a couple uh, questions and comments for the next uh, episode of The Buzz. And Saul weighed in. He was thrilled about the contest we're having about Sketch Saul. So uh, he was a little more – we were concerned that he was um, – a little laid back while well, he he ramped it back up again so um <clears throat> so and we'll make sure if you call in uh we'll play your your question or comment on a future episode of the buzz and and respond to it and uh let's keep going on the native plants uh healthy planet facebook group the the group just keeps growing and i couldn't be more proud of of uh how polite and kind everyone has been and accepting so uh let's keep that going over there so uh, we now have Native Plants Healthy Planet t-shirts, and you can find them right on our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. There's a little banner at the top that says t-shirts. Click on that. It'll take you to our Teespring store, and all the profits that we make off those shirts are going directly to support um, some of the organizations that we've had on the podcast, some of these nonprofit organizations that are doing great work. So, And I sh- we should be making our first donation on this next Buzz episode. Yeah, episode 71. Make sure you tune in. So we, I think we only need gonna... to sell like one or two more, and then, then we're doing it. So so buy if you're hearing this, you got to buy the shirt. Buy a shirt. So um, you can always listen to our podcast, uh, Native Plants Healthy Plant, directly at www.nativeplantshealthyplant.com. Also check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, really wherever you consume your podcast. When you're there, uh, we preached it last time, how important it is to leave a five-star review and hit subscribe. And definitely recommend this to a friend. It goes a long, long way. We did get a new one. They're, they're going to be your listener shout-out oh, next good. episode. Good. I looked the other day. I didn't see any. It just so. showed up this morning. Oh, so. awesome. So hopefully it's nothing embarrassing I have to say. <laughs> No, no, it's not. Well, all, all good things. So with that, thank you, everyone. I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thank you again, everyone. Kyle, thank you so much for taking time out of your day today and spending it with us. This was a fantastic uh, conversation. We really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you. Uh, anytime at all, anytime at all. And uh, we have a Buzz episode coming up uh, next week, so make sure you tune for that. Until ev- 
until then, everyone, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.